I think the toughest thing I've had to overcome and still overcome um, is really being taken serious, especially behind the camera. Hello and welcome to the podcast. This is The Women Behind the Camera. My name is Lauren Barker. I'm Emily Swanson. And today we have a great guest who Emily and I both know and have worked with numerous times and we love her and we'll let her introduce herself. Hi, I'm Jenny. I am a makeup artist and hairstylist and special effects artist. Nice. So firstly, um, what drew you to filmmaking and or makeup? Whatever came first? It just kind of happened. Kind of an accident. I was working as a photographer and a studio that also did makeup. So I learned a little bit there. And then they suddenly shut down. And I was like, what will I do with my life? I have no idea. And somehow I stumbled upon an aesthetics course, which I took, which is related to skincare. And then... I learned a little bit more makeup there and I liked it. And then I don't even know how it happened, but I found a makeup artist job on Craigslist back in the day and I did that and I liked it. And then I kept looking for them and here we are. (laughs) And how long ago was that? That was about 11 years ago. Wow. It's been a long time. Yeah. So you kind of um, answered this, but we uh, we were wondering like how you got started. So tell us like about your first films and how you how you really transitioned into filmmaking full time, like working in films mostly. For sure. So just growing up and my whole life, I've always had art in my background. Mm-hmm. So I feel like na- makeup comes kind of naturally to me. Um. So once I did my first film, which was a zombie movie, a zombie short, um, I was like, this is cool. I didn't even know this was a thing in this area. I just thought it was like, oh, Hollywood, and that's it. They're the only people in the whole world that are making movies. Little did I know that it happens everywhere. So I did, I worked as a makeup artist part-time for five or six years it was always my fun extra job in addition to my day job and then um my one day job my last day job they let me go due to not my position changing and I was like hey let's try this makeup thing full time and here we are it just took off it's crazy That's great. It's interesting how that's a lot of people's stories. That's kind of my story. And like a lot of other people we know we've interviewed that it's one of those things where they wanted to do film. They're maybe doing it as a hobby. And then all of a sudden they lost their job. They left their job, whatever happened. And then it was just like, let's just try still doing this because this is what I love. And all of a sudden it's their job, their career. It works. I'm, I'm working on it. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, it's. We've gotten that a lot, especially, mm-hmm. I think, considering where we are, because it's the whole, you think of film as being like Hollywood and all of these big cities, and then all of a sudden you're like, oh, wait, 
I can do this? Okay. Yeah, in Wisconsin, in Milwaukee. Yeah, for mm-hmm. sure. Anywhere, really. Yeah. So you mentioned going to aesthetic school. Mm-hmm. Is, is that the right word? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Right um, so what did you learn there that helped you start doing this professionally? So aesthetics focuses on skincare mm-hmm. and facials. So someone who's an esthetician generally performs facials or waxing services in a salon or a spa. Um, and skincare is a very important part of makeup. You can't, you have to know the person who you're doing their makeup. You need to know their skin type. You need to know what products work with their skin type, how to control that skin type if you need to. For example, someone who's very oily, you have to know what products to use that will control the oil, that won't make you have to touch them up every five seconds, something that'll last. If someone's very dry, need to know what products to use to make sure they don't look dry and gross on camera. Um, so definitely learning about skin helped me a lot. And also um, a big part, so after you graduate from aesthetic school, you take a test to get um, licensed by the state board. So a lot of that also includes sanitation and safety. And those are also important things to know when doing makeup because you don't want to be transmitting communicable diseases to people. You don't want to be using dirty brushes on people. You don't want to use a brush on one person's face and then the same one immediately on the next person's face. So safety is a very important thing that a lot of people don't think about. So that's a big part of my job too, is keeping everyone safe. Yeah. And just one thing I've observed from working with you and other makeup artists, of course, is just like, um, so that's something each actor has their own brushes mm-hmm. and you have, you have everything separate and organized yes. so that you're not using the same brushes on anyone. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And then after I use every brushes, they all come home and they go and they get a nice sanitary bath and mm-hmm. they dry and then they're fresh and ready for a new person. So, uh, going along those lines, what do you do on a day where you have just a boatload of extras that you have to deck out? I have a lot of brushes. I have an excessive <laughs> amount of brushes. <laughs> I have a brush problem, you might say. And You're just you, ready to go. I'm just ready. I think I can safely do 30 to 35 people. You might have to use a blush brush for a powder brush. You might have to get creative when you're getting to the end of the line. Mm-hmm. But... But you got it. But I got it. And if I run out of brushes, then I have a whole kit of disposables. Then we go disposables. Then we do sponges. And you learn to get creative. I mean, worst case, you can use an eyeshadow brush to put powder on. It doesn't have to be a powder brush. Or you can use a Q-tip to put lipstick on. So creativity is also important. Yeah. Just has to be clean. It just has to be clean. Cool. Awesome. So how did you learn about matching skin tone and how do you do that with actors? That's a very hard thing for me to describe because I think because of my art background, because I've had color theory, I don't want to say drilled into me, but essentially my whole life, I kind of feel like it comes natural, like I see it and I don't know how to explain how I see it. You just, you got it. I just, it's a gut feeling. It's 
you've had the background, you've had the experience, mm-hmm. you've worked with it enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just a gut feeling. Well, did it take you a while to, to figure that out when you were really new, like figuring out, um, not only skin tones, but then like how that's going to look on camera and with different lighting. Did it take you all to figure it out or did it just kind of come naturally? I'm trying to remember. It was a long time ago. (laughs) I think maybe a little bit. I think back in the beginning, I may have had like a close idea and maybe just put a little bit of maybe two different colors on a face just to see which one kind of looked better. Um, but the key to matching skin tones is when you put on the makeup, it disappears. If you put it on and you can see it, that is the wrong color. Okay, yeah, that's good to know. And is there a difference between, like, you doing your makeup every day, I'm going to just, like, make myself up to go out into the world versus what you do for the camera? Oh, that's a good question. I'm not sure. <laughs> I think kind of not, because essentially for camera, the basic, if you want to go real basic, the basic principle is that the skin tone looks even and people aren't shiny. So essentially, yes. But personally for myself, sometimes I don't have the time to do it all the way. So maybe I don't have the full time to conceal certain things so I just kind of wing it but it's myself so I don't Mm -hmm. care (laughs) yeah yeah behind the camera (laughs) so another thing um going off like skin tones you and I were recently talking about undertones Mm -hmm. can you explain like what those are and how you figure those out as well for sure um those are kind of also tricky to explain Um, I would say the more common undertones are going to be pink or red and like a yellow undertone. Those are kind of your most common ones. So you can kind of see when you're looking at someone, they kind of have a slight, slight kind of pink cast to them or very slight like yellow cast. Very slight. Sometimes you get, you can get all different skin tone, different undertones. Oh my gosh. Um, I've seen green undertones. I've seen purple undertones. I've seen blue undertones. Um, the purple and the blue, you're going to see more commonly in darker skin. Um, whereas the pink is going to be more common in lighter skin. And it's just something you kind of see. There's this woman, I forget her name. I think it's Terry Tomlinson. She has, it's called the flesh tone color wheel. And it's a kind of a cool tool where it shows you different skin tones and different undertones on like your traditional color wheel. And in the middle, it shows you the actual color wheel colors. So you can kind of see how you see the different undertones. Undertones aren't like terribly apparent but they're kind of like the secret color that's there, if that makes sense. Sure. So what, I mean, what's the purpose, the importance of having that undertone as well as, you know, matching skin tone? So the undertone is going to help you with matching your skin tone because foundations are generally based in 
based in undertones. So you'll have more of a yellow, more of a pink. Um, and then they also have adjusters that you can add in. Like I have a yellow adjuster, I have a red adjuster, I have a purple adjuster. And then I do have just some blue base foundations. So it just helps in matching the foundation. And then also, and I'm not going to be able to explain this very well, but I'll do my best. Um, also, the undertone determines if someone is more cool toned or more warm toned. So you don't, I don't want to say you don't, because sometimes you can. Because there's rules in makeup, and then you can also break them. <laughs> so it's tricky. But if someone is warm or cool, that depends kind of what colors work best for them. So generally someone who's warm, they look better with warm tone colors. Someone who's cool looks better with cool tone colors. But there's always exceptions because you can always just flip it and reverse it. Play with it. But you have to be careful with it. You have to know the rules in order to be able to break the rules. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. So what's the thing in your makeup kit that you have to replace the most? That you're constantly like, I've used this all up. I need to go get more. Hand sanitizer, alcohol, disposables. Always buying that. Always refilling that. Mm. Always. (laughs) Beyond that, (laughs) actual makeup products, I would say powder. Powder is especially working on long projects or projects where it's like a single actor all day, you're going to be doing touch-ups and powders, your kind of thing you use over and over and over throughout the day. So do you have any um, like makeup experiences and looks that stand out to you and that you're really proud of that you've made? Oh, boy. That's like saying, what's your favorite movie? I've never seen a movie in my life. How can I know? <laughs> Pick your favorite child here. Yeah, that's what it's like. <laughs> oh, boy. I don't know. I do a lot of different varieties, so it's always fun to mix it up. And I did a really cool cut on a leg recently. It was, it was a technique that I've been trying and experimenting that every time I do it kind of gets a little better and it looked pretty good. I do say so myself. That's awesome. Was that for a film, a short? It was for a feature that I shot in April and May this year. That's so cool. So for something like that, when you're learning how to do a technique or learning how to do a cut on like a leg, does your leg get covered in makeup often to learn? Sometimes, but sometimes not. For example, that one was um, I sculpted the wound and then I cast it and then I made the positive again from the cast so having done that a few times the first time I did it it was very thick and very obvious that it was something added on and then just kind of doing a little bit of research because special effects don't come up too often so you like think of it you're like oh I gotta figure out and then you don't need to do it for a while and then it's like oh I could do this for this and then you're like okay let me look into this. And then you kind of just, and just learning new products and new techniques. So then I did another one and it was better. I think that was for Lauren's feature. And then I was like, okay, this is really good, but it's still a little bit thick. So then the next one was even better. 
So the next one will be even better, better. Experience. Yeah. yeah. And that's a lot about what makeup is. A lot of it is trial and error. I'm in a lot of different uh, Facebook groups about makeup. And there's a lot of newer people that come in and they ask for things where it's like you would it would be better for you if you tried it and it didn't work and you kind of learned on your own why it didn't work and how it could work rather than saying, tell me the answer. Because if I told you the answer and you do it, great, but you don't know why you're doing it and you don't know why you're not doing something else. So a lot of it is just playing with things and sometimes failing and then figuring out why you failed and making it better. Feel better. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Is that sometimes a frustrating process, though, when you're kind of going through that and you keep trying it, it's not working? You don't know why? It is sometimes. And sometimes it's good to turn to the internet, but Mm -hmm. turning to people for help sometimes is better to do after you tried it and failed it. And you can't figure out why it happened or what you can do to fix it. Mm Mm-hmm. This is what I've tried. This is what I've done. What exactly can I do better? Exactly. Exactly. Awesome. All right. So what product never leaves your own makeup bag? For myself, I'm a huge fan of powder foundation. So never do I ever not wear it. And mascara is a close tight second. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. The basics. Yeah. I love powder foundation oh, for myself. Same. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. The basics go a long way. They do. And powder foundation is fantastic when you're running late and trying to leave in two minutes. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> it's fast. That's my thing. Like, yes. when I wear makeup, I'm just like, five-minute routine. That's like all yes. I have the patience for personally. In my personal life, I'm so bad with getting myself ready in yeah. a reasonable amount of time and usually mm-hmm. makeup is the last thing and I'm like I gotta go right now yeah <sighs> but do you feel like that you like have to have makeup on because it's like part of your job yeah do you feel that way I do yeah I do I think that's a personal feeling I mm-hmm. know some makeup artists that don't wear makeup at all mm-hmm. but personally I feel more comfortable wearing it and I feel like it's part of my job sure that makes sense So how do you prepare for and deal with getting makeup ready for multiple shots and uh, different things in the day? Like makeup changes? Yeah. Yeah. And like, yeah. Well, it all starts in the beginning. You, if you're working on a project, a short, a feature, something of that nature where makeup could change. I don't know that I've worked on a commercial where makeup had to change. So we'll just go to film for examples. Usually it starts with reading the script, learning the script, knowing the script, making notes on the script, breaking down the script. By I like to break it down by scene. Who, What actors are in this scene? What If there's different script days, what are the different script days in this scene? And then what is the look? Even if it's just a note like, this is an everyday look, or simple makeup, or hair in a ponytail, it's good to have that base to start with. And then using that as a reference. So when you get the call sheet, you're like, okay, we're doing scene five and 12 and 86. 
and those are three different days. So then looking at your breakdown and knowing, okay, this is day one, this is day seven, this is day 36. We've done day one before, but not day two, but I know this has to change. And also just knowing kind of what the schedule is going to be in the beginning. Is this, uh, okay, we're going to do 12 pages a day. Okay, then I know between days, maybe the makeup doesn't change a lot, or maybe it doesn't change at all. Because a lot of times people don't change their makeup every day. And if it is a change, how fast can I do that change? That's always, that's always in the back of my mind. How long is this going to take? How fast can I change it? How long would it take to reverse a change? Sure. And how do you deal with time constraints? Because I've observed that, unfortunately, that happens a lot with makeup department, is mm -hmm. that you're really crunched for time. Mm -hmm. So how do you navigate that? I try and prepare as much as possible. So during my setup time, I get as much out that I know I'll need. If it's, for instance, a new character or a new actor or the first day of a film... I'll be like, okay, this is a man, so I'm probably going to need these brushes. I'm probably going to do one of these foundations, one of these skincare, and I kind of lay out all my options right there. Um, it's easiest if everything's kind of right there so I can just grab and go and then go from there. If I need more things, I know where they are. Also knowing your kit very well, where things are in your kit, so you can just grab it and not having to, like, ruffle around in there to find something if it's someone that I've seen before if it's like in the shoot and I know what products are going on I work off of stainless steel palettes so I can get a palette set up for an actor I can put all their products on the palette um in fact this has happened recently I've had to do like three actors in a short amount of time not knowing who's going first who's going second so my station, I lay out a towel always because there should be a barrier between the table and your stuff. And then on that, I lay out a piece of paper towel, one for each actor. And I have three palettes, so I can set up three actors at a time. And you lay out their skincare. You can put your, their skincare on the palette. You can put their foundation on a palette. You can preload their powder brush with powder. You can preload their blush brush with blush. You can put eyeshadow on their eyeshadow brush. You can get their lip color on your palette. You can lay everything out so you can just grab and go and do it and do it and then done. And then because it's on the paper towel, you can fold it over and clean it when you have a second. And the same thing, then you just go through with three people. If it's that fast of a thing and there's more than three actors, then I take their dirty brushes and I put them in their bag, knowing I'm gonna come back to that later. I clean off the palette, sanitize it, set up a new station and kind of just cycle through it. Dang. <laughs> yeah. You just have a whole system going for you. 11 years. <laughs> 11 years. All right. So are there any makeup trends right now that you're absolutely in love with? I think we're starting to break off of this Instagram silliness, which is amazing, and going back to just fresh beautiful, healthy, glowing skin. And that's always a good, a good classic look to have. What do you mean by Instagram silliness? 
Oh, boy. <laughs> I'll try not to be mean. So, a little bit of history. So, drag queens do their makeup. Drag queens are men who dress and do their makeup like a woman. So, drag queen makeup involves a lot of heavy makeup and heavy contouring to take the angles and shapes of a man's face and make it make the angles and shapes look like a woman's face using makeup. That is what a lot of the Instagram stuff is. Except it's women putting heavy makeup and heavy contour on their woman-shaped face to make it look like a woman, which is unnecessary. And also the crisp, thick, heavy, cartoonish eyebrows and the excessive amounts of highlighter. A lot of these things that you see on Instagram and Instagram videos of people doing their makeup, they look good in that Instagram video because the videos are also filtered. And people think that's how they're going to look if they do their makeup like that. When in reality, it looks like you have a lot of makeup on your face. It's too much. And the heavy, heavy highlighter looks maybe cool in a filtered photo, but in real life, it looks like you're oily. It looks like you're a grease ball. It's just too much. Just, it's unnecessary and it's too much. And everybody does their makeup the exact same way. Every person should not have the same makeup. Every person should have makeup customized to their face shape, to their skin type, to their eye shape, to their lip shape. And contouring is not fully bad. Contouring is meant to correct a problem. Most people that contour don't have a problem that they're trying to correct. So it's unnecessary. It's just too much. Okay. If that makes sense. Yeah, that does. Thanks for explaining that. So you really like you know, people coming back to natural makeup, makeup that works for them, obviously, you know, not overdoing it. That's, in my belief at least, is the purpose of makeup. Not purpose, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Makeup is meant to, like, take what you have and enhance it a little bit. Or Mm -hmm. take what you have and make yourself feel good for you. Not slathering, slathering, slathering... So you look like that girl over there. Right. So you touched on special effects a little bit earlier. Um, How did you get started doing that? Well, my first film was a zombie film. Mm -hmm. So I started in it, kind of. Cool. (laughs) Um, I took a makeup class that was very... It was a short class, so it was... It touched a little bit on a lot of things. We touched on different hairstyles, different decades, um, like character makeup, like say you want to look like a cat, like that kind of character makeup. We touched a little bit on bruising, a little bit on cuts, a little bit on bridal makeup, a little bit on film makeup. So it did a lot of little things. And I was like, oh, this is pretty fun. So then I just kept kind of playing with that and I thought it was pretty cool. And it just kind of happened. And then you talk a little bit about your process, like figuring out what works, what doesn't. Um, Are there any other 
things you've done in terms of special effects that have helped you kind of grow in that field and learn more about it? So this is not an answer for everyone. <laughs> Disclaimer. Sometimes I say yes to things that I've never done before. And then I have to figure it out to make it work because I have no choice. So sometimes it's learning and trying and testing in necessity and panic. <laughs> Let's be honest. A little bit of panic because I was in there. Okay, so putting yourself in the hot seat yeah, is definitely yeah. a way to learn sometimes. Not recommended for everyone. Sure. I have but also, not failed yet. You've had 11 years of background and experience, so if there's something new, it's something you're going to be able to figure out, or you have the resources mm -hmm. to figure out. Right. And I do know what I can do. I know my limits. There was a project a year ago maybe or so that it was just beyond anything I've done the time constraints were very tight and I didn't think I could do it within the time so I know my limits I know what I can do even if I've never done it before and I know when to say no so I said no to that project because I didn't think I could pull it off in that amount of time and I didn't want to ruin it for everyone because if you say yes to something that you can't do and then you don't pull it off, that looks terrible on you. And people are going to remember that. So you always want to make sure that even if you've not done it, if you think you can do it, then you have to do it. Yeah, that's great advice. Awesome. So we've covered this a little bit, but what's your process to prepare for set and how does it vary from production to production? Like you talked a little bit about film work and your process of going through a script. Mm -hmm. What about something like a commercial where there isn't going to be that transitions? Sure. It goes a little bit into my gut. Kind of for commercials, people generally want nice, fresh, natural look. Um, my kit that I take to set has everything you could ever need, ever. Which is why it weighs 200,000 pounds. So, even if you don't specifically know what's going to happen and you don't have a script or, like, commercials, there's not really anything to prepare. You don't really get a script beforehand. You might get photos of the actors. But if it's just a straightforward thing, just going to set and checking in with the director and being like, hey just natural or what kind of look are you looking for just a quick you don't want to take up too much of the director's time you just want a quick check in real quick and then you just do natural just look at the person and what would enhance them but still look like kind of an everyday person and what's something I think aside from all your, your whole makeup kit and everything, which is obviously essential, is there anything else that you always bring to set with you? I always have a set bag with me. So in mm -hmm. addition to my giant heavy kit, I have a bag depending on the size. If it's just a couple of people, I have a small one. If it's a few more, I have a bigger one that has that will hold the bags for every actor. So knowing at least how many talent before is imperative. If not, I just bring too many actor bags and <laughs> I can figure it out later. Um, so making sure everyone has a separate bag for their brushes, um, 
then I have things that might be needed on set. So hairspray, powder, um, I think I have a little foundation kit, and then just like random things, bobby pins, band-aids, disposables, things that might come up that if you're not shooting next to your kit, is good to have on your person. Hand sanitizer, alcohol. And then I usually have like a container for each person's lip color too. So then their lip colors with their brushes so I can just grab it and keep it sanitary and get everyone ready. Is your big heavy makeup kit at least on wheels? Yes. Good. <laughs> but then there's stairs. Yeah. Yeah. I recently had a male AD insist on helping me carry my kit down the stairs. I said, are you sure it's heavy? He said, yes, it's fine. I'll take it. As he struggled and you saw a lot of veins in his neck kind of come out. And he's like, you carry that around everywhere. I was like, yep. He's like, you're stronger than me. <laughs> it was funny. Nice. Lauren, you and I had the same look on our face during that story. <laughs> We're sitting here like silently like laughing a little bit to ourselves. <laughs> okay. What is one thing about your job that you wish more people knew? Or is something that people often misunderstand? I think going back to the sanitation thing, a lot of my job is keeping people safe, keeping things sanitary, keeping things clean, keeping things separate. And I think just a lot of people don't understand that. They think I just put makeup on people. But there's a lot of cleaning involved before, after. I mean, after I put makeup on, I have to clean the stainless steel palette. I do a quick cleanse of the brushes on set so they're not dirty in their actor bag. Washing my hands before and after each person washing my hands after I've eaten something, washing my hands before I do a touch-up, just the constant cleanliness that's in the back of my head. And also if there's something specific, for instance, if an actor has a cold sore, that's a whole different thing. you got to keep their lip brush separate from all their other brushes because you don't want to spread that to any other part of their face. So just being clean, and if someone has, like, a skin condition that needs special care, knowing about that, knowing how to deal with it, and knowing how to deal with it safely. For instance, if someone has, like, an open wound on their face, you can't just put makeup on that because that could cause infection in the wound. You need to cover it, and then you can put makeup on if that's your only option, which in the film business, that is your only option usually. Is there a specific product or something you use to like cover a wound in that case? Liquid bandage. Okay. It's magical. Nice. Yeah. Knowing how to handle it if, say, a male actor was in a hurry and they cut themselves while they were shaving. What if they're still bleeding from a cut? How do you handle that? Well, there's like... It's called, I think, styptic powder. You put that on to stop the bleeding before you cover it because you can't put liquid bandage on a wound that's still leaking things. 
you need to mm-hmm. stop the leaking, cover it, and then you can do makeup. Yeah. Is there anything, did you kind of have to learn about that specifically on the fly, or did you, was that something you researched at some point? I think we touched base on it in the, the quick makeup class I took. But the makeup groups I'm in in Facebook are just so helpful. It's people who have 20, 30, 40 years of experience who've probably seen everything you could ever see ever. And just people asking questions and then those people answering and just, oh, that's a good idea. I mean, sometimes you learn stuff that you haven't encountered yet, but then you're ready for when it happens. Are these like very makeup and film kind of Facebook groups, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Some are general. Some are more specific. Some are like, one of them, one of them is like very wedding focused and yeah. just a variety. Cool. Yeah. What, if you can pick one or maybe a couple that come to mind, what's been a favorite project that you've done or set or crew or makeup experience that you've had? That's like the, pick your favorite look. Pick your favorite one. Yeah. It's so hard. Oh, you're going to love our next question. Oh, boy. Everyone is like so special in their own way. Like, especially longer projects, you kind of become this little family. So I got a lot of little families in my past. Have there been any recently that have stood out? Yes. Care to <laughs> yes. Yes. I don't know. Lauren's film, of course. Of course. Oh, of course, Lauren's film. Anything that Lauren and or Emily I mean, are, are working on. some of them I can't talk about, so. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's fair. Was right. there... Um, sorry. I'm <laughs> sorry to interrupt. No, go. Um, is there anything... Um, that you can talk about in terms of like that crew camaraderie or that makeup department camaraderie or anything that really um, creates that experience for you that you can elaborate on in terms of like how it makes you feel and you like going to work and that kind of thing. It's always good to have a crew that understands what you do. Even if they put time constraints on you, they understand what they're doing. Um, it's always great to have a open a crew you can be open with, especially in the AD department, crew that you can talk to and be like, "Hey, I need more time. I don't ask for time a lot, but I need more time today because X, Y, Z." Or don't rush me right now. If you rush me, it'll go slower than if you don't. Or just like. Just crews that are open that you can speak freely on, that you're not afraid. Oh, I have to ask the director a question, but I'm afraid because they're mean. I really haven't had that, but that would be a terrible crew to be on. And here's the question. What is your favorite movie or a few of your top favorites? I'm a huge, huge horror fan. Huge. So I would say my top two choices are Insidious and The Conjuring. Those are 
classics. Recent classics. Did your love of horror movies kind of get you into the special effects makeup? Probably. Probably secretly. Not on purpose. I don't think I was ever like, I like scary movies. I want to do that makeup. I think it just happened. And And now you're like, yeah. Exactly. (laughs) So do you have a preference? Like if you could only do one, would you want to do beauty makeup or special effects? Or is it all just kind of... I like the variety. Yeah. I think if I had to do like the same thing every single day, I think I would get boring. Mm Mm-hmm. I like working on special effects and then working on beauty and then maybe doing a wedding once in a while and then just kind of everything is... I and like getting that job that you're like, I'm in the hot seat right now, I'm going to learn something new. Exactly, exactly. Do you have a hobby that's not related to filmmaking or makeup in any way? This is also the question that we get a lot of guests like pause on, like, yeah. oh, <laughs> because it is just something that you're doing what you love. Right. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I would call it a hobby, but I have a garden that I watch over in summer. That's also a learning experience. <laughs> this year I have not killed any plants. Bonus. Nice. Yeah. Is it like flowers? Is it food? What it's kind of veggies and herbs. Yeah. And even last year, I had a red pepper plant that had a pepper growing when it started to freeze. So I first tried covering it every night. And then I was like, I'm going to forget. So I repotted it and I brought it inside over winter. And it still is alive. Aww. It's like a Christmas miracle. Nice. <laughs> But that's definitely a learning thing. Lots of Googling. Yeah. Success. But that's fun. I also really like organizing things, which is weird, but kind of weirdly fun. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm curious if you have any like resources or book recommendations that you would give to aspiring makeup artists uh, in addition to your to Facebook groups and things like that. Yes, what they are, I'm trying to remember. If you're, just in general, if you're looking for a makeup book on how to do makeup, make sure it's written by someone who's a reputable source. Um, kind of know who the author is, what their experience is, and know that they're experienced enough to tell you what to do. Um, there's a lot of really good books by Kevin Aquan. Those are very great with imagery and information. I know Bobby Brown has a lot of good books. Boy, I can't think of any. And it's always good to have books about like the history of makeup. Because if you're a makeup artist, there's a strong chance at some point you're going to have to do makeup from a different era. And I'm a big fan of doing things correctly. Being as accurate to the time frame as I can be. Are there any time frames that you've worked in that you absolutely adore? Mm, the most recent one I did was pretty cool because I learned a lot of stuff. 
It was like the mid 1800s. And a couple of the actress that I did her makeup and I think someone on the crew questioned what I did. I was like, actually, and it was kind of cool being like, this is why I did it. And this is historically accurate. For instance, that was the time when right before that women didn't wear makeup. It was not, you couldn't, it was like looked upon to be bad. If you wore makeup, only the prostitutes wore makeup. It was scandalous. It was scandalous. But then the women were like, wait, I kind of want to wear makeup. So they started wearing makeup, but they wore it in a way where they tried to make it look like they weren't wearing makeup. For instance, they put Vaseline on their eyes and they did just a little cheek tint just on the apples of the cheek. And then they did just a little lip stain very subtly. So it looked very natural. Okay. So that's something you have to know in terms of like just how it's going to look. Okay. How it's going to look. Sometimes how it was applied. Mm -hmm. Are there any time periods that you have not worked in that you would like to? Oh boy. I don't know. I've worked in a lot of them. I've done like early 1900s. I've done 50s and 60s and 70s and 80s and 90s. Maybe the 20s would be fun. 20s or 30s. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Makeup's very interesting. It's very, it like goes through almost waves. It's like no makeup, a lot of makeup, colorful makeup, and then kind of back down to very natural and then very crazy. And then, so I think uh, the Instagram makeup is at the top of our wave. I think we're going to, st- I hope we're going to start coming down from that wave. Yeah. As much as we hate it, that is now in our makeup history. Mm-hmm. as what makeup looked like in the teens. Yeah. So it's like fashion trends too. Like exactly. kind of and flow and things go out of style and then they come back. Yeah. So that's interesting. And then when it comes back, it kind of reinvents itself and it kind of mm-hmm. changes. Are there any makeup looks from different time periods that are a challenge just because we have different products now than they had back then? Or is it all pretty universal? I think overall pretty universal. I think there's there's so many makeup options now. If you're not able to find something that to substitute, that's a rare occasion um do you have a role model or someone that you look up to hmm probably (laughs) trying to think there's a lot of really great makeup artists that I follow and social media a lot I'm trying to think of like my top ones I'd say my top person is Vivian Baker she's super awesome um she's Chris Pratt's personal makeup artist and I think Blake Lively and as awesome as she is and as big a stars as she's worked on She's part of some of the makeup groups I'm in, and she has no problem offering advice, which is like 
so cool. Like, you're, like, so cool. And here you are talking to us people that are no one. Like, it's really cool. And I saw her speak at a makeup show maybe three or four years ago. And it was just... She was just so inspiring, and it was just like, I felt so great after I left the talk. I was just like, you're so cool. Okay. That is cool that she's, like, accessible in that way, too. Yeah. Um, It's always fun when you have a celebrity or someone you like that will, like, comment back to you on social media and things like that. Yes. All right. So what advice do you want to give? Just in general, it can be about filmmaking, it can be about makeup, it can be about life. All three. Impart oh wisdom upon the world. Oh boy. <laughs> that you haven't already imparted. <laughs> I would say if you are an aspiring makeup artist, to find reputable people, follow them, also learn as much as you can and learn about sanitation as much as you can. If you have the time and the money, take an aesthetics class. It's really helpful, I think. Learn about skin, learn about ingredients, learn about makeup, learn about trends, learn about styles, learn about everything. Learn color theory, learn everything. Just be a sponge. And if someone gives you constructive criticism, don't get mad. Learn from it. Grow from it. In general, I feel like if you are making films or commercials and you see the final product, you need to be analyzing that. What could I have done better? Because the day that you say, that's perfect, everything was perfect, then you should quit your job. Because if you're not continually learning from your work and you're not continually growing, then what's the point? It's not... I mean, no, you just need to keep growing. And in general, I would say do what you love. Like if you are in a day job and you hate it, quit it. I mean, I get you might have to keep it for money, but make a plan to get out of that and get into something that you love. Because it's not worth it. Life is too short to go to a job every day that you hate. Because so much of your time is work time. Why do you want to hate your life for 40 hours a week for the rest of your life? Get out. Get out now. (laughs) That's a great um, thing to end on. So thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for joining us. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. It's been fun, as always, to talk to you. Um, Thanks for all of your wisdom. You're welcome. Uh, And... For all of our listeners, you can reach out to us on social media. I'm at L. Barker Film on Twitter and Instagram. Oh, geez. I'm at eswan93 on Twitter and possibly Instagram. (laughs) I think so. I think it's the same. Uh, You can also email us if you have any questions or comments or anything you want to say at womenbehindthecamera. No, sorry womenbehindcamera at gmail.com and we'll see you next time uh, with another episode. Bye guys. Bye.